0: the lane. 15-10. Touchdown,
1: Chargers! What's up, guys? We're back. Week 3 of Chargers Weekly. Alongside Matt Money Smith, I'm Chris Hayre. Chargers with a little mini-buy before the Jags this Sunday at SoFi Stadium. Money, it's been a week. Uh, I figured we rehash that Chiefs-Chargers game a little bit before we get to Jacksonville. I got a lot to digest in that one, especially in the second half. I felt like the Chargers were the more dominant team throughout. Um, a, a couple of mistakes here or there. can flip a game, especially when you're on the road at Arrowhead.
0: You know, DJ does such a good job, Daniel Jeremiah, of kind of setting keys to the game and, and talking about what you got to do, you know, going in. And it's, you know, he's just so good at what he does that it all comes to fruition and it lays out perfectly. And his number one thing was – Patrick Mahomes is going to give you a couple. You've got to cash them in, you know, every single game because he's so – and look, that's, that's Herbert's the same way. Any Josh Allen's the same way. When you're a quarterback with with the ability of, of individuals like that and you have, you know, the arm that these guys do, you're willing to throw balls into trouble and, um, and believe you'll just get them there. And that was the number one issue, you know. And look, part of it was on the Chargers. You know, there could have been a pick six. From the end zone, a 100-yard return for Asante Samuel. He couldn't grab that ball. I thought he absolutely made the interception that was overturned. Just based on the call on the field, the fact that it was called an interception, you could see his hand under the ball. That should not have been overturned. Um, And then just the egregious flag. And I don't know if it was the back judge or who it was that threw it, but shame on them. Um, On uh, Bryce when Valdez Scantling just kind of tossed him aside when he absolutely had a right to that path. As, as Valdez Scantling was cu- cutting back the opposite way on that Nas Adderley interception. So, you know, you got to cash those in. There was another one. I can't remember. There was a fourth one that should have been picked, and I can't remember if it was another Asante or what it was. But, you know, those have to be cashed in. Um, that's To me, that's the number one issue from that game is they got pressure. Mahomes was uncomfortable. The interceptions were there to be, to be had, and they weren't able to get them. You know, and, and that's the difference in the game. You know, and when Justin finally made one available to the Chiefs, they cashed it in for six. So, but, but I'm with you. They were the dominant team. They, they moved the ball rather easily. I thought the Chiefs struggled to move the ball. You know, you had the one. And I guess my other issue, just to kind of finish up my bitch session, whenever the Chargers play the Chiefs, is no team <laughs> holds more. There, there is no team in the NFL that holds more on the line than the Chiefs. Creed Humphrey holds on every single snap. And I don't know if it's the way Andy Heck coaches O line, and it's just like whatever. They're not going to throw flags on every play, so just hold. But like the Derwin face mask, he makes that tackle. If Travis Kelsey doesn't have his freaking fist in his jersey and is yanking him back two yards to the left, so that's it's it happens every year. Every year they play the Chiefs, I I watch the film and I'm like, my God, can you get a freaking holding flag on this O line? And it just never happens. So. Like, to me, those are the issues. And and then, obviously, just to kind of wrap it up, Chris, the the problem with, you know, what, what the hell are, are you doing with that snap that led to the pick six? I mean, if Gerald Everett's trying to get off the field, somehow someone has to communicate. The speaker is on with Herbert. Hey, hold on. You know, just slow it. I know you like the mismatch. You like wherever it is and, and Watson's small, and that's an easy completion for a touchdown. But let's just reset. He ain't ready, you know, and it's either that or if you're Everett, suck it up, dude. You, you need five. We need five seconds from you. You can give us five more seconds. Um, so I, it's one of those two things. Uh, and that's the game, you know, and that's that's ultimately the game. And I'm with you. I thought they were the better team. And it's it's tough to let wins like that turn into losses. But um, a lot of good to come out of that. I feel great about Brandon Staley's defense and the scheme that he designed against Patrick Mahomes uh, it's just execution needed to be better.
1: Yeah, they they nearly pitched a shutout. If it wasn't for the Bryce Callahan penalty money in the first half, it, it was a shutout of Patrick Mahomes in, in that first half. I mean, and they they were they were the dominant team for the first few quarters, and it, it it reminded me in just the way it was starting to play out, like the the second Chiefs game last year, where Chargers got got after him a little bit in the first half and and, and continued it, and then all of a sudden. Here come the chiefs. Um, and I know it, 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 it was a different game, but I, at first I thought the turning point was the Asante Samuel intercession. I'm like, all right, this is the turning point of the entire game. No, no, no. It, it was the, the, Gerald Everett, uh, miscommunication, which Brandon Saley put on himself, uh, on, on Wednesday and said, he's got to take the accountability for that. And, um, you know, you, you could debate how that shook out first and goal from the three though, with, with 10 minutes left. I know you're going up tempo. Um, I think there's a myriad of factors there that, that that played into kind of how that shook out. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I get I, it.
0: Look, Herbert saw the mismatch. He, just, he saw a mismatch. Yeah. He's like, let's go. I, I see it. Let's go get it. Let's cash it in. At the same time, you know, he, you, sir, uh, awareness, you know, awareness of your surroundings. You've got first and goal. You've had your way with this team, you know, just, but again, it, it's, I hate putting it on players because, you know, look, Gerald Everett made a great play, the play before. He's carrying awesome. two guys for 10 awesome. yards. Yeah, so, I mean, I get it. Dude, you're carrying two 215-pound guys for, for freaking 30 feet. Okay, you're entitled to be tired. You know, it's a heck of a play by Everett. So I'm not trying to point the finger at him. I'm just saying that's – I'm with Coach Staley. There's just got to be better execution in that moment by everyone, by Herbert to be aware of what's going on with Everett, by the coaching staff to be aware of what's going on with Everett, and then by Everett to be aware, oh, crap, I got to suck it up, and I got to figure this thing out and know where I'm supposed to be instead of standing with my hand on my hips when Jalen Watson jumps in front of me and, and takes it back.
1: Money, our, our guest is he's jumping. He's here, and he's right nodding, now. and he's, he's, he's judging ready. our
0: comments.
1: He's Listen, this is like the Kentucky Derby. He's going to come out the gates right now. He's scratching be his fired. beard. Yeah, <laughs> he's
0: ready to go. He's Typing. <laughs> it's like he's Daniel doing everything Popper. he can. To, he's like, "I want in. I want in on this. Don't take all my points. I want in."
1: Daniel Popper, the athletic. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna ask him a question. I'm just gonna go silent and, and let you have a two minute opening statement. How yeah. about that,
2: Pop? All right, so, yeah. Go silent count. So here's my biggest take, and this is this is my issue with how like the response to this game. Thursday night game, week two against the team that has been the best team in the AFC for half a decade, you go in there, you play outstanding defense, you give yourself a chance to win. You lose, obviously, with some missed opportunities. You guys were talking about the dropped interceptions, Justin's interception, the pick six at the end there. This doesn't mean the Chargers are a bad team that they lost this game. Like, it's so (laughs) early in the season on a short week. Like, this is, if anything, the takeaway from this game should be the Chargers are legitimate contenders they went into a really tough yeah. environment and probably should have won the game. And if they make a couple plays here and there, they come out of there victorious. Instead. I feel like the narrative has been all oh, the chargers are, are, are a bad team and they have no chance. It's like, that makes no sense to me. Like there, there yeah. should be positives taken from this game.
0: Well, I'll tell you, popper, you know, I do power rankings with, with K on our new show on, on FanDuel, And I had the chargers ahead of the chiefs. And of course I took a ton of incoming and it felt great. And granted, maybe he has some bias too, but Danny Woodhead was on and, He's like the Chargers were the better team. He's like, yeah. you know, there's you know, that, that's that's certainly my takeaway is this defense, you know, the signings in the offseason, the trades they made, uh, just the growth and the and the comfortability inside the defense. Yeah, that they got it. Brandon Staley went into that game with a scheme and with a plan that took care of that Chiefs' offense. The whole narrative of hey don't miss Tyreek Hill at all coming out of that first week. Because Arizona decided to blitz them, fifty-three percent of the time was gone. It was yeah. oh yeah, without Tyreek Hill, Chargers are not afraid of this team. They're they're comfortable in their too high shell, and good luck. You know you can pick yourself down. The, and I thought it, I thought the first two drives played out exactly how Staley would have drawn it up. Like, you know what, we're just gonna keep everything in front of us. We're not afraid of Valdez Scantling speed. We're not afraid of Juju. And let's just wait for them to stall out or make a mistake. And it played out exactly like that. I'm with you hundred percent. I just think in a, I just think the Chiefs are so good, um, are still a very good team and the AFC is so competitive that it's just hard to let a loss that should you know, that that you think looked like a win get away and now you gotta go to Buffalo. For the championship game or something you know i think you just that's that's all my takeaway is it's it's you know i think it's going to be such a perilous path to the super bowl that any advantage you can get you you really got to grasp and and make sure you you not let slip away
1: and pop before before you before you get going again so they deferred right staley wanted his defense out there to start the game and to money's point they they delivered they they did exactly what he thought they were going to do we were in in the press box together and you, you see Twitter fourth down. What's Brandon Staley doing? What's Brandon Staley doing? We talked about it all off season. Brandon Staley has much more confidence in his 2022 defense. And I think th- that's another wrinkle to all of this is that, um, you know, I, I know that I think in some instances you prefer that he does go for it.
2: I wish he uh, would have gone for it. Yeah. Here's here's how I view that whole situation. And it, co- it goes into the missed opportunities as well. You just can't give Patrick Mahomes more opportunities because he's, he's, you know, the guys that, that do the athletic football show, Robert Mays and, and Nate Tice, you know, they refer to him as as you know like a horror movie villain, you know, like a, he, yeah. he's just like at that's the a end great of call. right right like
0: that's a great if, if
2: you if you keep making these these mistakes, he's going to come back at the end of the movie and and kill everybody, and that's like what happened in this oh, game. The and you just gave the him, movie. you just gave him too many opportunities and that's that was my issue with the fourth downs like I get it you have a better defense you have a much better punt team but like you, you've got to take advantage of these opportunities and if you make too many mistakes and give him one shot all he needs to do is make like three plays in the fourth quarter and it's over and that's what happened you make one coverage bust where the safety doesn't play in the middle of the field on that long touchdown to Justin Watson like that's and all of a sudden they're back in the game and so you had chances there where you're in opposing territory you have two fourth and twos It feels like you have to be aggressive in that situation against the Chiefs specifically, even though, you know, you have a much better defense, obviously, and a much better punt unit with J.K. Scott and Josh Harris, the guys in coverage there. In terms of defense, three things jumped out to me. Number one, this run defense is completely transformed. And I know that – and Money, you brought this up. I know they gave up that long run to Edward Tiller at the end there. There was an obvious hold on Derwin James. I agree with you there. But outside of that one play, across two games, they've been outstanding in run defense. And what that's allowed to do, and to use a Staley term here, the scheme is able to express itself. On second and long, on third and long, Brandon Staley is getting some of these designer blitzes, designer sim pressures, and they're getting home, and you you see it. And and using these designer packages and designer looks, they're able to engineer these one-on-ones for Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack, and those guys are able to execute... In those situations. And then the third thing that jumped out to me in this game is just how well they contained Patrick Mahomes to the pocket. He only threw for 44 yards outside the pocket and two of those completions were on design bootlegs where he wasn't actually escaping the pocket. So They did an excellent job of containing him. Not only did they get pressure on him, but they didn't let him escape. And that's what happens when you have two really disciplined, really excellent edge rushers and Joey Bosa and Kalua So those three things jumped out, and you're going to continue to see this because they're going to continue to stop the run. As long as these guys stay healthy, they're going to stop the run. They're going to get to these known passing situations, and you're going to get a lot of these designer packages, And and the linebackers can blitz. It's not just Derwin James. Like Drew Tranquil can get after the quarterback. Kyle Van Noy can get after the quarterback, and I've been really impressed with how Kenneth Murray has played in terms of blitzing and then also as a run defender. He just looks like he knows what he's doing at a level that just he wasn't at in his first two seasons.
1: Money. Yeah, it Money Kenneth. That could have been a nightmare defense. That could have been a nightmare uh, performance for, for Mahomes. It had a couple of those interceptions going the other way. And, you know, the fact that Kelsey goes five for fifty one when Darwin James is on him, it just it, it I think it just reinforces the fact what a game changer Derwin James is. And when they do play later on in uh in the season, uh, you got a guy that can completely neutralize their best guy on offense.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, I, I like the word you use there, pop or express, you know, express itself. And I think, you know, when you bring up Kenneth Murray, he does look like a completely different player than we've seen the first two seasons. And I think part of that is, you know, it's taken him a while to figure out what's the best way to use Kenneth Murray. You know, they Anthony Lynn and his staff wanted him to be a middle and the captain of the defense. That's not Kenneth Murray, you yeah. know. And then last year, they're like, well, let's try him at edge. And again, that's not quite where he belongs. You know, Kenneth is... See, go, you know, use that athleticism and you see it. And not to mention just the energy. He's got great energy on the field. You know, he's he's not like not quite like a Derwin, but he makes splash plays. He, you hear the pop of the pads when he arrives. You feel him. You, feel, you him. feel Exactly. And I think that's what's, you know, and, and then to Tranquil, it's funny. They're almost like the perfect combination where Tranquil – he just he is so good at seeing things before they happen that split second before that he always picks the right run fit he knows exactly when he's crashing instead of dropping out and gets that tackle for loss or when he gets the interception and he drops back and he senses he can bait the quarterback you know bait Derek Carr into that throw like they're just a perfect pair um and I I didn't think I was going to feel that way. I thought I would, you know, want to see and this is nothing against Van Noy who's who's, you know, been solid as well, but man, I love seeing Tranquil and Kenneth out there together. It seems like they really complement each other. Well, um playing at that next level. And just kind of speaking to your point, I think one of the things last year was because Drew is such a cerebral player, he was trying to figure out, okay, who do I have to cover for? Like who who is going to let me down on this run play and now he's out of position and he can't quite execute the way he's supposed to because he's covering up for the mistakes of the guys that are in front of him now I feel like he's just cut loose and he can do what he does best and I think we've seen that you know he's probably the the one person that I talked about uh, you know that we talk about a lot coming in like oh we're waiting for the Drew Tranquil season and I think we're seeing that and it's exciting to see it because we know how good of a player he can be and I think like you said you know when the scheme's allowed to express itself I think Drew's a big part of that expression
2: Yeah. And and just one more thing to add here, like linebackers have to, and you you sort of hit on this point, money linebackers have to trust that these defensive linemen are going to be fitting in the right spots in order to go to the right place and then uh, successfully execute their fits. And last season when your zero technique is getting blown six yards (laughs) back off the ball, the linebacker is going to have no idea where to go. They're going to fit in the wrong gap, and there's a huge hole because the front isn't maintaining the line of scrimmage. And so it looks bad on the linebackers, and everyone's criticizing the linebackers, but it all starts with maintaining the line of scrimmage and being physical at the point of the attack, and that's what you're getting from these guys. And it's not just Sebastian Joseph Day, Austin Johnson. It's Otito Albania who's lining up in the zero technique and taking on double teams and not getting moved. And like sometimes it doesn't look pretty. He's a rookie, right? It's not The technique isn't beautiful, but he's a big guy, and he's hard yeah. to move. And all of a sudden, when that zero technique is taking on that double team from the center and the guard and not getting moved, the linebackers can see it. They can hit their gaps, and they can make plays and shoot through holes, make tackles for loss, or at least contain them to two three-yard gains. And that's what you're seeing in this run game right now, and I think that's why you're seeing true Tranquil and Kenneth Murray play so well.
1: Yeah, let's, let's push it forward to Jacksonville, guys, because we we've hit Kansas city and I think there's some disappointment that they didn't win that game, but you get, you, you turn the page to, to the Jaguars. And I don't think many people expected them to pitch a shutout against the Colts. And I, I know the Colts and a lot of people on Twitter, are like, well, it's the Colts. I'm like, well, Hey, you know, we, we picked the Colts to be a playoff team this year a couple of weeks ago. Right. It, it, Matt Ryan, and they still might be, they still could be. And they've, they've started slow the, the last few years under Frank, Wright. But uh, I know they're wide receivers, Look a little bit different than the Chargers. Uh, I know Matt Ryan, a little bit older than Justin Herbert. uh, But the fact that you pitch a shutout, uh, you get to Matt Ryan five times, three interceptions. They were the dominant team from start to finish. Um, That offense is better with Doug Peterson uh, calling plays and and Trevor Lawrence in year two. Um, They have weapons that they didn't have last year. Everyone laughed at Christian Kirk and uh, Zay Jones. And those guys seem to be doing just fine. Evan Ingram. And they have a running game with with, uh, with with Robinson and ETN, so it's a it's a more of a complete Jags team than we've seen in the past. And money, I'll, I'll start with you. This mm-hmm. isn't a game that uh, I think Chargers fans are just going to assume that hey, you're going to win, go to two and one, and then go to Houston. I mean, this is going to be a tough matchup.
0: Yeah, so there's a lot there. I guess I'll uh, I guess I'll start. What do I want to do? I guess I'll start with defense. I'll, I'll start with the defense and just. So much attention played on Trayvon Walker because, you know, I don't want to say it was a controversial number one pick, but, you know, it was a debate. It's like, you really, you're going to take this guy just on upside without production at Georgia because you like the measurables. uh, Over Aiden Hutchinson, who, of course, had three sacks last week and all that production at Michigan was the heartbeat of that program, you know, finally knocking off Ohio State and, and getting into the playoff. So I think a lot of people are paying attention and the Jags are getting validation for taking Walker because he's a problem. He's quick, he's strong, his levers are incredibly long, and if he gets his hands on you, it's a problem. Um, But what I came out of that game with is you forget about Josh Allen and how freaking good he is and how fast he is because he wrecked the Colts line, whether it was the left or the right side. And the other name that no one's mentioning is uh, Fadakasi, who is, he was upfield on nearly every snap. If they were given help on the outside to Walker and Allen, Fadakasi was right in Matt Ryan's lap. Now, the Colts offensive line is banged up. It's a mess. So I, I don't think the Chargers are going to have that big of an issue. Um, it was definitely there against the, the commanders as well, but I think, and, and just, Quickly to kind of wrap up what I took away you know, and watching, I watched all their pressures um, and that's Devin Lloyd is also being overlooked. He's, he's big, he's fast, he's physical. Um, not saying he's Fred Warner. I'm just saying he looks like Fred, like that's the kind of linebacker that he looks like. He's big enough to stick you, but he's also fast enough to cover. Um, we talked about real, him as
1: a first round prospect in the, yeah. during, the, during the lead up.
0: It was a real impressive performance uh, from them that I think was, I think it was helped by the limited mobility of Matt Ryan and, and by the ineptitude of the wide receivers to get open. Uh, and again, with an offensive line that was really beat to hell. So there's, there's my analysis of the defense. The front is really good
1: what about offensively for for Jacksonville with, uh, you know, when you have a play caller like Doug Peterson and and an immense talent like Trevor Lawrence, I think that they've, they found a little bit of a groove just two weeks in.
2: Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I think you're seeing what happens when you have an actual adult coaching the football team, you know, like you have obviously a ton of talent there. You know, Trevor Lawrence was number one overall pick for a reason. And I think a lot of people, you know, made fun of this Christian Kirk, deal obviously in the moment but they're using him really creatively he caught a touchdown out of the backfield against the colts and listen like i used to cover the jaguars and the reality is they have to overpay for free agents to get people down there right like that's just the reality of it they overpaid for rayshon i love rayshon jenkins i think he's a great player but they overpaid for him she griffin you know overpaid for him christian kirk overpaid for him but they're still talented players just because they're overpaid doesn't mean they're bad right and so that's kind of has to be the approach from jacksonville they've done it to get some legitimate NFL players in there. They're supplementing it with young players. And, you know, this is the year for Trevor Lawrence to really take a next step with a legitimate, you know, NFL play caller there and Doug Peterson. I think you're seeing some creative stuff from them. You mentioned the run game. You know, I think it's going to come down to, can they get pressure on him? Can they rattle him? Because I don't think these tackles are very good. You know, I think Cam Robinson's overrated. Jawan Taylor obviously a former high draft pick. But, you know, I think there's a a weakness you can expose there with these edge rushers. And if they can get pressure on Trevor Lawrence, that obviously changes everything. And, you know, I know it's a little bit of a simple answer, but like that's really where it starts is like, can you get pressure from these edge rushers against those tackles? Because I feel like they have a mismatch there.
0: No, that's a great point, Pop, because it's something, and we were talking about it before we got on. I, I feel like I have to preface this with the the statement because, look, Gus is one of the best guys you'll ever meet in football. He'll talk to you about football, no matter who you are, for hours. Everybody loves him. He could not have had a worse game plan against the Jags with that Colts D. When he was playing single high, rushing four, they didn't get home. They were t- Doug Peterson was scheming up pre-snap motion, those three buys, getting the inside receiver stuck on a linebacker, and it was just layups. For Trevor Lawrence, you go back to the Washington game or you go back to the 10% of snaps where he was, you know, playing too high man press and Lawrence struggled. You know, he struggled against Washington. There's like I watched every single one of his attempts and I would say probably five or six turnover worthy plays in there when he got hit. You can heat him up when you heat him up. The ball sails. It's offline. It's offline. And there are interceptions and turnovers out there to be had. Um, so I I I, I love what Doug Peterson's doing. There's a, he's scheming up a ton of layups. You mentioned it. You know, Christian Kirk or Zay Jones are in motion. By the way, Evan Ingram, take off 17. It's driving me crazy that you're he's a wide he's receiver very, though. He is, he's, yeah. He's, he's not a even receiver. a tight end. It's fine he's with not me even a tight end. Yeah. It's just it drives me nuts because I keep seeing it when I see 17 catch the ball, I'm like, who the hell's seventeen? And I gotta <laughs> look down on our lads into the tight end. You know, so how about that? Yes. Move him out of the tight end row and put him into the wide receiver row. But Peterson's doing a great job of scheming things up. There's a lot of screens. There's a lot of smoke routes that, like you mentioned, you know, with Kirk. And I think it's a great point, Popper. I don't care how much Kirk makes. If he makes $18 bucks a year, okay, fine. Did they have to cut anybody so they could bring Christian Kirk in? No. It's what they paid the guy to get him there, and he's been a perfect fit. He's a great slot. He's almost exclusively there or in the backfield. And he's been viable, you know, he's so I think that's I think you bring up a great point. You know, the offense looks much better than it has because you've got an adult calling the plays. But there's there's opportunities to be had there.
2: Yeah. And that's just the reality of Gus's defense. Right. Like, you know what you're getting. Gus is relying on his on his talent making plays. And but if, if you're in today's NFL, if you're an opposing offensive coach and you know that you're getting cover three on. 75% 75 Every snap. yeah 75% of the plays like you can sit there the whole week and scheme up cover 3 beaters and you know you're going to get it at a high at a high rate and if your players aren't making plays you're going to get beat that's just the reality of of how Gus plays defense but he believes in it right he believes in it he sure does he be- yeah he <laughs> believes in he believes in simplifying things and having his players play fast but when it goes bad and and the opposing offense is scheming things up against your defense and they know what's coming and your players aren't making plays it can look pretty ugly
1: Let's go back to the Jags defense real quick because it's a good segue into uh, the big news here in Costa Mesa. Is just really the health of the offense in general. With 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 Justin Herbert and his ribs leading the way. Day to day, he was a, a limited participant on Wednesday. Uh, Corey Lindsley did not practice. Trey Pipkins was a limited participant. Keenan Allen was a limited participant. Uh, is was Parham limited too? Yeah. Is that- yeah parham was limited as well so you know we're two weeks in and, and this offense is is pretty beat up and you mentioned Trayvon Walker and Josh Allen um money DJ did a film room uh, that's going to be out on the Chargers uh, uh website and YouTube on uh Trayvon Walker versus Rashawn Slater and you see the flashes of Josh Allen on the other side it's almost like a it's almost like a prequel to what the Chargers have with Bosa and Mack, right? It's just like this, these, these two young guys who I think could potentially wreck the league here over the next five to 10 years if they stick together. But um, in terms of, I, Buddy, I'll start with you. In terms of Justin and, you know, let's just assume he goes, right? It's going to be so important, if, if, especially if Corey's not out there or if Trey's not out there, that they make sure they have a game plan that eliminates any hits from Trayvon Walker and Josh Allen.
0: Yeah, you know, and I'll make it quick because I know I kind of already dug into this pretty deep pop and you can just sort of pick it up. But look, they can help out. You know, I I, I trust Slater to beat anybody. You know, you want you want to go one-on-one against Slater. Even, you know, I, I trust he will take care of Trayvon Walker. You know, I'm good with that. Or Josh Allen, whichever one's lined up opposite. And then you can slide your help to Trey or Storm, you know, with your tight ends and with your backs chipping. My big concern is, Matt Filer had a bad game. He had a rough game against the Chiefs, and I don't know if that is because he and Lindsley worked so well together, and once Lindsley went out, he and Clapp just weren't quite in sync. But that's Zion had a great game. Zion played Zion played so well that Chris Jones left him. He was mm-hmm. like, nah, I'm not doing that anymore, and he yeah. hopped over to Filer. I mean, that's what happened, and then all of a sudden, you found Chris Jones in the backfield seemingly every other snap. So that's why I brought up Fadakasi because I think that's – that's the one I'm kind of, he and Arden Key is kind of kicking inside a little bit. They're running a lot of stunts and a lot of plays on the inside. And that's what really affected Matt Ryan. So that pop is almost where my concern is, is just like, what happened with Filer in that game? If Lindsley doesn't go, can that be figured out? And how much of that was a product of Lindsley going out and and Filer just not being on the same page?
2: Yeah, it's a great point. I'm, I'm not putting the red flag up yet on, on Matt Filer. I'll put an orange flag up. Maybe a yellow flag. I mean, Chris Jones is, is What's the orange? second.
1: What's yeah. orange? What is orange? Like, hey, we're, we're getting close?
2: Yeah, like, like I mean, Chris, Defcon Jones three. Is, Chris Jones is the second best defensive tackle in the league. And, you know, that, that's no slight on him because Aaron Donald's maybe the greatest defensive player of all time. But Chris Jones is a very, very good player. But he could not get past Zion Johnson. Mm-hmm. I mean, he could not. And there was a rep early in the third quarter. Where Zion stood him up on on a pass play, and that was the last time he went against Zion in the game. And over the remainder of the third quarter and the fourth quarter, they put him up against Matt Filer, and Matt struggled. Um, And I didn't think he played particularly well in the Raiders game either. So that's why I have a little bit of an orange flag up there. Um, Zion is the real deal. I mean, I talked to Rashawn Slater about Zion yesterday. I'm having more in my notebook on Friday, but like you know, what people are saying is like obviously he's a rookie. Needs to polish his technique a little bit, but the way he's able to recover with his athleticism and strength is is already elite. So it's definitely something to monitor with with Matt Fowler. I think that's a good point, Money. Corey Lindsley's injury is huge. Justin Herbert is the most huge. important player on this offense, but Corey Lindsley is not too far behind Justin. Like that's how much he means to this offense. And the protection changed completely when Corey Lindsley went out in that second half. And I don't think Will Clapp necessarily played poorly, but go rewatch the tape from the play that Justin got injured on Mike Dana defensive end for the chiefs is lined up against Zion one-on-one Matt Filer and will clap double team Chris Jones to the left in the passing play Zion gets beat initially and Mike Dana runs right up the middle and will clap has his back turned to him and I've watched that play about a hundred times over the last like three days and I'm like if Corey Lindsley is in the game he is such he has such a high level of awareness that he probably senses that he knows Zion is one-on-one against speedy defensive end on the interior, and he probably peels off and at least gets a little bit of a chip on Mike Dana. Justin Herbert can defend himself and protect himself a little bit more, and maybe we're not dealing with, with a Justin Herbert injury. And that, you know, that's one. The second play that Justin got hurt two plays later, they ran a stunt where Frank Clark came to the inside. Again, Will Clapp has his back turned, doesn't really have the awareness. And that's not the stuff that you're going to see because, you know, everyone's saying, okay, Will Clapp came in and did a good job. But those are two plays right there where your starting quarterback gets injured and you wonder, Corey Lindsley's in there with his level of awareness, his intelligence, does that even happen? And that's not even getting into, you know, making some of these adjustments up front pre-snap, which Corey Lindsley does a ton of, which takes a lot of, off the plate of Justin Herbert. I know that talking to Austin Eckler after the game, they said Will Clapp picked it up, but like you're going from arguably the best center in the league to a replacement level player. That changes everything. So that, that's where it starts for me. If Corey Lindsley is out of this game, what does that mean in terms of protecting Justin Herbert while he's injured if he does play and 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 you know maintaining their protection against what money has said is like a fantastic front. Like that is to me the biggest the biggest storyline hitting in this game between the Chargers offense and the, and the Jaguars D.
1: And the run game, guys. I mean, two point five yards a pop in Week One, three point one in Week Two. Uh, I talked to Bunny about it before we we went on. They've been able to run on the left side, but the right side's still been a problem. And you know, you know what I think needs to change. I, I think more carries for Josh Kelly. I mean, he's he's had eight carries this year. He's averaging five point five yards a pop. He looked like a different guy in the preseason, and I think he's been running really, really hard. He ran hard in that one drive uh, versus Vegas that set up a touchdown. Um, I think in the second half and. and think every time he touches the ball he looks like he's the the dominant running back too on this team so um with a injured quarterback buddy I'll start with you the running game has got to get going um but it's a challenge if Corey Lindsley doesn't play
0: well you know this will lead lead us into a different conversation and I'm going to try to figure out how to word this properly um (laughs) you've got to open things up you know, the, the run game is going to excel if you can open things up. And so, like, Warren Sharp, his favorite target is Joe Lombardi right now. He has been coming after him. Knives out, guns blazing. But when you go back and you watch every one of these attempts, we we talk about how fast of a processor Justin Herbert has, how quickly he diagnoses. And he – so I think what's happening is – you know, there's there's a saying that in football, you can't go broke taking a profit. And, you know, Herbert sees these five yards, these six yards, these seven yards, and he's just throwing these dots and he's moving the ball. But if you give that play an extra second and a half, Guyton's coming open outside. Mike Williams is getting that post and it's flashing open over the middle. But I get it. Like Herbert sees an open man and he's like, OK, there's seven yards. I'm taking it. There's five yards. I'm taking it. But. I feel like it's come at the expense of some of our shot plays. And so I think what's happened is defenses through these first two games, look, that's that's what the film tells you to do. You know, they're creeping up. And so I think they're able to slow the run game down because they are not as afraid of Herbert's arm in these shot plays that they're closer to the line of scrimmage. So like to me, you got to get more shot plays. You have got to push this ball downfield, get to that intermediate range more because there's just so many quick outs, curls, sticks, and and I just I'd like to see some more shots just to get things open. So they have to honor play action. So now the run game can breathe, um, and I just feel like it's not just the lack of ability to block on the right side, which has been an issue, but it's also the defenders are there they're loading up the box because they're just until i think until they get burned they're content to to say all right well we sure as heck don't want to deal with herbert's freaking hose 40 yards down the field if he's willing to give us these seven yards we'll take it you know much like the chargers did to mahomes all game long
1: papa was it you that asked about guyton in the presser uh yeah, yeah. His count, yeah
2: yeah, they got to get him on the field more. Listen, I, I think Money brings up a really good point. Some of it is the offensive scheme. Like, they run stick a lot. They, a lot of these plays, if you watch the All-22, there isn't a deep option. It's a lot of shorter developing routes. Some of it is how defenses are playing them. They know what Justin Herbert has, and they're, they're putting a roof over the coverage. Um, but some of it, too, is how Justin Herbert is as a quarterback. Like, he's not Josh Allen in terms of his mentality. Like Justin wants to avoid mistakes. He wants to be perfect. Like he's a perfectionist. Right. He does not want to throw interceptions. He does not want to make mistakes. And he always wants to make the best decision in terms of a processor. He's closer to drew Brees than he is to Josh Allen, much closer to drew Brees than he is to Josh Allen. So some of it is that they have this stuff in the design of the play, but Justin is getting through his read so quickly. And he sees exactly what money's saying. He sees a check down. He sees a, a, a curl route come open five yards and he hits that and he's getting past the deeper developing route quickly because he's such a fast processor and because of how he operates. And then the fourth component is protection. Like if you break down the numbers in the first half, Justin Herbert's everyone loves to talk about air yards per attempt, right? His air yards per attempt in the first half when Corey Lindsley was in there was 8.18 yards. That's really damn good. Much higher than what Patrick Mahomes was in the first half. In the second half, it dropped to 3.1 yards. You know, and in some it's all of this stuff together, but some of it too is the protection and also how much Justin Herbert trust his protection when Corey Lindsley isn't in there and so I feel like we have these conversations about air yards and pushing the ball downfield and it ends up you know being targeted directly at the play caller when there are nine million different components right. that factor into whether you're whether or not you're getting the ball downfield and some of it is how the quarterback processes and what he is as a quarterback from a mental perspective and that's a guy who's always trying to make the right decision
1: what about the running game with with Eckler averaging 2.7 yards a pop the first two games and Um, that's such a big component to, to money said opening things up. If if you have the running game going, I think your playbook looks a little bit different popper.
2: Yeah. I mean, get Josh Kelly, the ball more, like it's pretty obvious to me. I I understand that Sony Michelle is a much better pass protector. You trust him more on those third downs and, and picking up blitzes and that sort of thing. But the way Josh Kelly has run in these outside zones, I mean, he's, he's executing it to perfection. They're running him in these outside zones. He's making putting his foot in his ground and he's cutting up field and he's running with decisiveness and explosiveness on these plays. And when a guy's averaging 5.5 yards per carry, and he's showing that on tape, I understand that he might be a little bit of a liability and pass, pass, protection compared to Sony Michelle, but he's being productive in the running game. And it's really providing the only production in the running game. And I just, I don't want to, I'm going to, I'm going to use a money phrase here. I want to make sure I phrase this correctly. Austin Eckler. <laughs> yeah. Austin Eckler is still an elite running back, and he's going to put up numbers this season. But through two games, he has not looked like the same player to me. And I don't know if it's just early season. I don't know if it's the fact that they're you know, limiting his snaps early in the season to make sure he's fresher later on. We'll see what happens. It's early. I'm not going to make some grand statement here, uh, but they need a little bit more from him, you know, because they're relying on him to be a difference maker and to break some tackles and make these explosive plays. And I mean, they have one rush, one or two rushes over 10 yards on the season. A lot of that is blocking, but you need your running backs to make plays and they need Austin Eckler to be that elite, elite, elite player for this offense to function.
0: Yeah. I think, you hit it there, Popper. I don't think there is any question that this team is like, we want Austin Eckler for the back half of the season in the playoffs. We cannot afford to run him into the ground uh, and have him break down like he has, you know, repeatedly because you ask so much of him and because he refuses to go down on first contact. Look, there were some great plays that Eckler made in the Chiefs game, you know, the spin where he got the the screen or the the flat – you know, throw five yards behind the line of scrimmage, look dead to rights, and he turns it into a 15-yard gain. Those plays are still there. He's still got that juice and that burst. Um, I think they were – I think part of Austin's yards per carry issue is they repeatedly were running him to the right before they finally threw in the towel, you know, and said, all right, we wanted – you know, we can't make fetch happen. So let's just go back to running left, and it is what it is. So I I think that's – part and parcel of why that thing's 2-7 because there were so many carries run to the right where Trey's just getting shoved off his block and the tackle's being made so um that's look it's something they're gonna have to figure out you can't just keep running runway because ultimately teams are gonna make that adjustment and make it a lot harder on you I'm with you on Josh I think with Josh I think it's just making sure it's the right run call I <laughs> Like, I think Josh, if he's got the lane in front of him, he'll see it. He explodes. He attacks it with physicality. Where we've seen Josh get into trouble is when he's got to start stretching and deciding. It seems like he tends to make the wrong decision when those runs become available to him. So I think, in terms of the, you've got to dial those up, you know, he's bigger, he's stronger, he's physical, he's bringing contact to defenders and getting, you know, falling forward for those extra two or three yards. So I think dial those up. Get physical. You know, ask your line to blow guys a yard back so you can pick up four yards with Josh Kelly. I got no problem with that at all. But to me, I think it goes to your point, Chris, and that's, you know, somehow whatever's going on with Eckler, um, if it's just, you know, drawing it up to the left and getting some of those er – because, look – for the issues that Matt Filer has had with pass protection, he's still been solid. When he's asked to run block, he and Slater yeah. are a force. And I think you just got to get some more runs behind those two guys, get some production, get a rhythm for Eckler, and then see if he can carry you.
1: And obviously, guys, we, we focus on what's in front of us in that Chiefs game. It, it, without really mentioning the fact that Keenan Allen wasn't out there. Um, first of all, I, I just I want a collection of money's calls of Mike Williams' touchdowns at Arrowhead's. I mean, like the dude is, he's magical in that place. He was unbelievable in that game. He stepped up after having a, a tough game where he was almost not existed this the second half of that that Raiders game. But Keenan Allen's presence on this offense obviously means a great deal. Uh, we haven't really talked about him. If he's back, I think it changes things. And if, if we get that version of Mike Williams popper, look out.
2: Yeah, Mike in contested catch situations in that game against the Chiefs, was he was unbelievable. I mean, just posting guys up and, and, and making outrageous catches, and that's not even including the, the touchdown catches that he had. I mean, he, the way he operates in traffic when he's got tight coverage on him, I mean, I can't imagine there are many receivers in the league better than him. But, you know, I think with Keenan, where he shows up is, in, is on money downs. That's, like, that's what he does, third and four to six. And like what was that. the problem in the second half?
1: Exactly. You know, a lot of three exactly. and outs in the second half.
2: Exactly, exactly. And so, you know, I think they really are hoping Josh Palmer could, could be that guy. And for whatever reason, he and Justin just weren't on the same page in that game. I, I still am kind of scratching my head about what exactly happened there. It just felt like there were some moments where they just weren't on the same page. Um, there was that, you know, little kind of wheel route down the sideline, Justin threw it to his back shoulder. Josh saw there was no safety help over the top. He's trying to go deep, just miscommunications like that. He had a slant where he was open. The ball's a little bit behind him. Um, It just didn't come to fruition there, but you don't really worry about that with Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen because they're just so on the same page at all times, particularly in those big moments. And, you know, in football, like football's a funny game, you know, one third and four or one third or two third and fours that you don't convert in a game can be the difference. And if Keenan's making those plays, you know, all of a sudden we're having a much different conversation. So that that has to be part of this conversation. I mean, the offense is completely, especially with the way that Joe Lombardi calls the game, you know, having a receiver who can operate in that short area of the field like Keenan Allen is so valuable and not having him changes everything. So getting him back would be enormous.
0: Yeah, and I think just going to the to put a button on that, going back to the Mike Williams and your Josh Allen comparison, just take the shots. Take the shots. Yeah, A punt is a turnover. A three and out and a punt is a turnover. Just take the shot. Push it downfield. So what if you throw a pick? I think it just speaks to your Josh Allen, where you know you've just got to you've you've got. I'm with you. Fifty fifties are ninety tens with Mike Williams. He's so tall. He's so good at contestant catches. Just throw it where only he can get it. You know, and and take those take more of those shots just to open that up. Um, yeah. DeAndre Carter's been great. I I, I want to see him out there. You know, to me, when Keenan comes back, hey, who's the third receiver? DeAndre Carter. I, I don't care how big he – I don't care how short he is. I don't give a damn. Like, the guy runs crisp, precision routes, um, and it is clear. You were talking about, you know, I don't know what's going on with Palmer and Herbert. I know what's going on with Carter and Herbert. He trusts yeah. him implicitly. He is willing to – you know, that ball he threw after he gave up on the, the third, third down play because he couldn't move, you know, that ball that he threw, man, double coverage – he knew exactly where Carter was going to be, how low to throw it. Um, and, you know, the touchdown he had against the Raiders was ridiculous. Just the, 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 the shoestring catch that he made while running full speed and, and turned backwards into the end zone. So, like, to me, for all of the, the time we spent on is it Geithner or is it Palmer, it's like, you it's know harder. what, give me, give me Carter, <laughs> Keenan, and Mike Williams out there, and I'm feeling pretty darn good.
2: Yeah, the beauty of that of that seam ball that he threw to Carter in the Raiders game is Justin hit DeAndre Carter on pretty much a mirrored play to the, from the right slot in the intrasquad scrimmage, at Jack O'Hammond right. Sports Complex, and I thought it was a touchdown on the play, but it's like this literally the same route, just to just to go right down the seam and Justin hit him, and so that that started in training camp, started in the spring, and they've had that chemistry pretty much since day one, which is really impressive.
1: All right, guys, let's end it here. <clears throat> Biggest key to getting their second win of the season against Jacksonville. Uh, I know there's a lot of issues. I know there's a lot up in the air right now in terms of health. Uh, Pop, I'll start with you. Uh, what's the biggest key to winning against Jacksonville?
2: Protect. Protect. Yeah. That's that's where it starts for me. On offense, you have to protect. Whether it's Lindsley, whether it's Will Clapp, whether it's Storm Norton, whether it's Trey Pipkins, you got to hold up in protection against this front. Cause that opens up everything, right? Like you have to be able to protect to push the ball down the field. If you can push the ball down the field, might get some lighter boxes that opens up the running game. Like it all starts there for me. um, And, and, you know, blocking against this really, really talented front.
1: That may be the obvious one money. You have
0: another one. Yeah. I think just the, you know, I'll, I'll take the opposite side, you know, heat up, you know, make sure you heat up Trevor. Like I said, when, when he had pressure, he's not the same guy. He's, he's still, he gets jittery. The feet are unsettled. He throws into traffic or sails balls and gives you opportunity. Um, so I have no doubt they're going to get pressure on him. I have no – I think this is – to me, this is going to be a defensive game. It's going to be – you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we see, you know, a, a lot of 12, some 22 even, and, you know, just protect the heck out of Herbert and let, and, and let the defense take care of this. Flip the field, get some short fields, create some turnovers, uh, protect Herbert at all costs uh in this one because do we have houston next or do we have cleveland next houston Houston. and cleveland yeah so i think these next two you know as you get ready for miles garrett and jadavian Clowney, you know let's make sure that you know you you keep you keep herbert in check and and you keep him protected while he's out there so that i think very much like it was in the chiefs game lean on your defense they're going to make some plays for you cash them in when they do
2: it's a great defense it's a great, it's defense. great defense. It's a great yeah. defense. A top 10 defense in the league and the yeah. vision is is coming to fruition here. Like that's that's my takeaway yeah. from these first And games by the way, second the
0: game league. for JC Jackson. Like, you know, like you said, he played well, you know, the yeah. the, the 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 touchdown by Justin Watson's not on him. That, yeah. that's he ex, he expected over the top coverage It wasn't there. And um, outside of that, I thought he played well. So, yeah. in his 100%. first game back. So, I expect to see and, you know, Callahan, who played very well against Renfro, is is going to be on Christian Kirk a lot, I would assume, see if he can negate that, as well as he's done so far all season long uh, through these two games. So, yeah, I'm I'm excited for what I think this defense is going to be able to do to, to kind of slow the roll on, you know, having a grown-up call in plays and Trevor Lawrence taking a step kind of thing. I, I'd like to see him make a mess of this game for that offense and have some of those concerns come back.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they're looking at it. Uh, at- Chargers film and be like, oh, this is a little bit different than what we saw last week against yeah. <laughs> Indianapolis, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I just and, and with you know running the football, and I think you you alluded to a popper. If you protect, that kind of leads to to hopefully open up some holes and and just opening up the the playbook in general. But I think it starts with Eck getting going, with Kelly getting going, with getting going. Um, you you got to see five yards of pop at some point. And, and I know with with Lindsley potentially being out. And Trey potentially being out, that could be a problem. Um, But, you know, it's got to be frustrating for this coaching staff to see uh, the the lack of production on the ground when that was what you spent all last year trying to figure out as well. Right. And you feel like you, 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 you figured it out with Kelly and Michelle and we're kind of back to square one there.
2: It doesn't feel that far away to me. Like watching the film, it does not feel like it's, it's a complete disaster of a running game in terms of the blocking up front. Like no. they're getting push. It, it, you know, I know it's a, it's a tired trope, but it's it's like a block here. It's a block there. It's not always on the offensive line. You know, it's tight ends missing a block. It's a fullback missing a block here. You know, it's it's they're not that far away. Like I fully expect this running game to have a, a big performance at some point in the coming weeks because it, it feels pretty close.
0: Yeah, and I'm just looking at, you know, the two games. You got Antonio Gibson that rushed for four and a half per carry. Curtis Samuel got four carries for four and a half per carry. You go to the Colts game and look, Jonathan Taylor's the best running back in football. But, you know, he's got six yards per carry. So it's there. You know, yeah, it's, 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 it's there fair. to be had yeah. against this front. It's, it's more of a pass-rushing front than a run-stuff-in front. That,
1: that indie script looked a little different when you get down so much, exactly. right? You, you can't run the ball uh, the way that you wanted yeah, to. Yeah, he
0: play rushed play. it nine times. They were going for it on fourth. That's the thing is the Colts, like, it, it was such, it's such a mess of a game when you watch it. You know, they're in goal-to-go situations three different times. And they're just giving up these, like, 10-yard losses on sacks, and then they're going for it on fourth down because it's the second half. So it's almost, it's almost a little deceptive. You know, it, it looks like the Jags' defense completely shut down the Colts' offense, uh, which for the most part they did, but they did have opportunities in the red zone that, that they just blew, just straight-up blew on first down, taking a sack for a loss of 12 yards.
1: It's going to be a fun game. It's going to be a tough game. Uh, Popper, we, we love having you on, buddy. It was fun. I, I
2: appreciate a, yeah. you just
1: popping in, wait, waiting your turn, and then just hitting it out the
2: gate. That's what I am. I'm a north-south runner. Just decisive, foot in the ground, and, and get uphill. That's terrible vision. <laughs> it's all yeah, physicality. Yeah. yeah, just like sometimes I go blind when I'm in, in, the, in, the midst of, in the midst of a take storm. But I'll tell you what, I get I get downhill, man. That's right. <laughs> north and downhill. South, baby. Plow people down. Third and one. Don't
1: put in Sandra Horvath, put Daniel Popper. Just go. give me the rock and let me spew takes. All right. For Pop and Muddy, I'm Chris. We'll see you so far on Sunday. Have a good one.